Good morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What do you think of the new pulpit? You like it? Huge. It's good. I, I, I was, we've been watching. The, we've been wa- yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> we've been watching the stand, and Rodney Howard Brown said he's got a pulpit he can lean into. Boy, you can lean into this thing. It's not moving. Joe helped me move it down here. He was shocked how heavy this thing was. Got a little cleaning up to do on it, but I think it looks nice. Amen? So it matches everything with the red carpets, the nice white. I think it matches nice. It looks sharp. Amen? Can't miss it. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Well... Before we get started this morning, let's pray, and we're going to take up an offering. So, Grace, do you want to come on down? I surrender. Amen. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. I pray for your anointing on this service. I pray that our hearts will be open to you, that we can receive all that you have for us. I pray that you would bless us abundantly, Lord, as we give to your kingdom. Lord God, that you would pour out a blessing upon each person here that's giving and upon their homes. Bless them and bless those that are giving online. They can just go to the church app and give, Lord Jesus, and I I just thank you, Lord God, for each, each person giving. And we just give you all the praise and honor and glory for this day. I pray that you would bless it. Lord God, bless it. Bless us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know this morning when I came down here, I was pretty excited, actually. Yeah, I will tell you a little story. This morning we woke up, and there's actually a pile of snow in the kids' room where they slept. My wife showed me a picture of it. And it was Ephraim all night, blowing his nose and clearing his throat. And it literally was a pile of tissues. My wife sent a message to Lizzie, you need to take your son to the doctors. (laughs) It was pretty funny. We had the two boys over last night, and they were very good. Very good. The title of this sermon is called The Light of the World. And in John, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 12. And we're going to do something different this morning. We're all going to stand up and read this verse together. So let's all stand up, get some blood flowing. You've been sitting in your seats during worship. One of these days, God is going to come down and touch all of you when we're in worship. 
So you're all standing and praising and worshiping God. Amen. That Holy Spirit, let him, let him work in you. Let them get your blood flowing. It's good for us to get our blood flowing to our feet and legs. Brains. Get off our brains. Amen. All right, we ready? Let's start. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, so now let's try doing it again in unity. Amen? So, are we ready? When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have the light of life. All right, you guys may be seated. Amen? Amen. You know, Isaiah prophesied, actually now thousands of years ago, and it was several hundred years ago, before Jesus was even born, Isaiah prophesied about a great light that was coming. (laughs) Yeah, Gabe's back there going like this, yeah. A great light that's coming. He's pointing at himself. Well, that might be the great light that's inside of you, Gabe. Amen. But there is a great light that was coming, and that was prophesied about 700, 680, 700 years before Christ was even born. Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And again, Isaiah would prophesy about Jesus being the light in Isaiah 46 or 42 6. A light for the Gentiles, telling the Jewish people that Christ the Messiah was basically. For the whole world, not just for them, but for the whole world. Praise God, amen? Because that includes all of us pagans, (laughs) the Gentiles, not just for the Jewish people. That this light that was coming, this great light that has dawned, is going to be for everybody. All inclusive, all included. Everything. He told them that he was going to make the Israelites a light for the Gentiles. And that is exactly what he did with Peter and Paul. Remember the stories of Peter when the sheet came down from heaven in front of Peter while he was having a vision, a trance? And he said, and the Lord told him, get up and eat. And Peter argued with the Lord three times and said, no, Lord. No, Lord, I have no, nothing ever unclean has come into my mouth. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. No, Lord, no, Lord. Peter, 
get up and kill and eat. No, Lord. And he said, told Peter, he said, whatever I've made clean, whatever I've made clean, don't call it unclean, basically. Get up, Peter. And he told him that he was showing him, he was showing him that this gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, resurrection, and that the light has shined and that light has given life is not just for the Jewish people. It's for everybody. Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Let's read from 1 to 3, Joe. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled in the end days. When Jesus sets up his throne on earth in Jerusalem, not just is he talking about the great light of Jesus coming, but he's also prophesying here in the end days that that light is going to set up camp right in the middle of Israel, right in the middle of Jerusalem, God's kingdom, and it's going to be a light for the whole world. And it says that kings and nations will come and bringing gifts of gold, bringing gifts of all their flocks from all over the world, and they're going to give them to the Lord because they're going to know that God is God. You know, this morning when I came into the church building, like I said earlier, I was excited to be here. It's been two weeks. Last week, you know, we didn't have heat in the building. We ran out of fuel, <laughs> which we had fuel Saturday night. And Sunday morning it was gone. I came down and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and then we had a frozen pipe in the back again. So I'm like, all right, I need to call people and let them know. There's no church. There's no way I'm going to be able to get fuel in here for Sunday. And that's my fault, and I do apologize about that. Because, you know, it seemed like it was only yesterday that we just bought fuel for the church oil, and it was gone like that. And I'm like, are you kidding? It's gone that fast. doesn't last long in here when you got to heat this size of a sanctuary. But I was excited to be here. I was happy. I was excited to be back in the house of the Lord to worship and praise. I don't know if you guys get that feeling when you go to church. You know, when I, when I came to church this morning, I was excited and I was glad to be here. You know, and that's how we should be every time we walk in this building. Every time we get into the presence of God, we should be glad to be there. We should be honored to be able to come and worship the Lord. We should be honored to be able to come and just give Him praise and glory and honor that's due Him. He is God of, he is the God of creation. He created each one of us. He knows every one of us. He knows each one of you. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows your thoughts. That's pretty scary, isn't it? When you think of it like that. That God knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows your thoughts. Amen. 
He is the only one that can look upon your heart. And this morning as I'm, I was walking around, I had a little shoveling to do out front walkway there. And I'm turning things on and getting things going. And I was praying and the Lord was like, you know, light, we need to let our light shine. It's time to let our light shine. And God's light is shining throughout our nation in different areas. We see that with the Asbury Revival. God's light is shining there. His Holy Spirit came down and has touched these kids. And not just kids, but adults. We see it happening in Florida. We see it happening all around the world. Little sparks. You know? All it takes is a little spark to ignite a flame. And all it takes is a little flame to get a bonfire going. And then pretty soon you can have a forest fire going. Amen? The thoughts this morning were on, let your light shine. And if we don't, and if we cover our light, then are we really trusting in God? If we're covering over our light, are we really trusting in God? Are we really believing in God? Or are we letting our lives be filled with fear? Are we living in fear? Basically. Because if we're not really shining like God wants us to shine, and then we're really covering our light, then we're really not living in the light. But we're really living in fear, right? I heard a pastor say, are you tracking with me? Are you tracking me? Are you tracking me? (laughs) Are you with me? But if we're letting darkness, which is fear, rule the day, then we have to ask ourselves, how dark is that darkness that grips our life that keeps us in fear? How deep does that darkness go? How strong of a hold or grip does that darkness have on us? That we would hide our light. If it's to the point where you are paralyzed with fear, then you have to say to yourselves and examine yourselves, how long can I go on this way? When is enough enough? Right? When is enough going to be enough? All it takes is a little bit of a door to be cracked, it says in the word, for the enemy to come in and destroy lives. How many lives has the enemy destroyed in in just the people you know around you? Through drugs, through alcoholism, through all kinds of things. I mean, you 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 can probably name a few of them right off the top of your head. Where the darkness just came in. And all it took was just a little bit. A little crack. When is enough enough? 
How long am I going to let this hold on to me or grip me? Where do I draw the line, right? Because that is not the life that the Bible talks about for us in these scriptures. That is not how we're supposed to be living as children of God in fear or covered by darkness or being gripped to the point of paralyzation where you totally can't move or function. It's not the life that God intended for us. Jesus came in the world as a light. A light for the whole world. And he not just came in the world as a light, but that light is life. That light is life. Light in the Bible is defined as life. John 1, 4 said, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus came to bring us life. And we find that life by his light. In other words, following him, we have to follow him. You see, what has happened to us, and what we see happening all around us in the world, in our government, in our schools, in our families, in our children is basically the absence of light. It's the absence of light in our lives. Correct? It's the absence of the light that brings life. And because the light is not being shared or present, then what happens? then darkness is present. It's present everywhere, isn't it? To the point where fear has controlled us. Fear has controlled us so much. Darkness has controlled us so much. Just look at our schools. Look Look at some of our family members where we're even afraid to even say anything to any one of them because of fear. Look at our government. Look at how darkness has creeped into our government. And how evil the things are in some of these agendas that they are pushing. They're evil. It's evil for a grown man to want to have relations with a child. Intimate relations. That's evil. That's evil for people to go out and want to slaughter babies. Even after they've been born. That's evil. It's evil for men to dress up as women and go inside of schools and have storytelling time to kids and elementary kids. That's evil. We saw it just two or three weeks ago, and now everybody's forgotten it. The evil that wanted to take place right there in Homer brings school with a Satan club. That's darkness. That's evil. 
But yeah, that's, it only, you know what, is this a funny statistic? It only takes a week for us to forget. A week to forget and move on with our lives. That's evil. That is darkness over the face of the world and over our lives, even in amongst our children. The, the stories of Darwin teaching evolution is plain evil. It has destroyed generations' beliefs in creation on God. For generations. And it only takes a couple generations or a generation to believe a lie for them to preach it because they believe it to be true. Because they say the science, when they have no science behind it, it's a lie. That is evil. That is evil. That is darkness. And how deep is that darkness rooted in our own country? It's pretty deep. Not just in our country. It's easy to look out upon everybody else and look at about everybody else's problem. It's harder to look upon our own problems in our own family, with our own children, with our own grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. It's harder to confront them with the light of life and truth because you don't want to offend them. But let me tell you what. The Bible is very offensive. It's very offensive to those who don't believe in Jesus. You're going to get offended by it. People living in the world, living in sin, are offended by the Bible because they don't want to live by a moral absolute truth and a right. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. There should be a song like that. Isn't there a song like that? I don't know. I want to do it when I want to do it. <laughs> when I want to do it. That's darkness, isn't it? Darkness is present everywhere. You know, what's happening now, people are afraid they're going to be persecuted because of, of what they say, and it's happening in Canada. Not only is it happening in Canada, but it's happening here in the United States. People are getting persecuted for standing up. I mean, you look at the news and you watch some of these parents standing up in these parent teacher conferences or, or these school board meetings, they're getting arrested because they're coming against the evil that's going on right in our own public schools, which is insane that we're paying such an ungodly amount of money to have our kids indoctrinated at the ages of, what, 5 through 13 or 18 till they graduate. We're paying for that. And that's insanity. Why? Because we're in fear. Because we're lazy. <laughs> Nobody likes that one, right? I'm like, I admit it, I can be very lazy. I can be a lazy man. I can be afraid to speak the truth to unbelievers at times. Because I don't want to offend them. Because a lot of the men I work with and deal with are pretty hard men and pretty gruff. 
But you know what? They're going to go to hell if I don't speak the truth to them. If I don't bring the light, who's going to bring the light? Right? And they're not bad men. You know? They're actually good men. There's a lot of good people going to hell. There is. A lot of good people, good men and women, going to hell. Because people are afraid to share the gospel of Christ with them. And the gospel is really simple. It really is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the light, and he's the life. And you know, Jesus come came into this world when it was full of darkness. And he's going to come again in this world, and it's full of darkness. It's no different than what it was then. If you look at the parallels of when Jesus came into the world, they were under persecution, the Israelites. They were occupied nation by Rome. <laughs> we're pretty much an occupied nation by China. <laughs> we are persecuted for our beliefs as Christians. Even from our own government. From the FBI, from the DOJ, we see it, we hear it. They're pointing out, they're, they're targeting Christians, they're targeting Catholics who are Christians when they believe in Jesus. And most all of them do. I'm not here to bash any other religion because that's not unity that God wants for this time. God wants unity. He's coming back for a unified body. Amen. A, a pure and spotless bride. And the only way it's really going to happen is if Jesus does it. It's going to take a miracle. You know, there's 30,000 different denominations or 33,000 different denominations or something crazy like that. Jesus is going to unify them all. And the unifying factor is this. That Jesus died for our sins. That he, rose on the, that he rose on the third day. That he went to the cross. And that the only way to heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the unifying part. That his blood covers all our sins. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. That's the unifying scripture. It says, all those that believe in him and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. They will be saved. That's what the Bible says. But we have to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, and we have to confess it with our mouths. We have to make a public confession that Jesus is Lord. That is the unifying scripture. The Bible also tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, one of the things that we've gotten away from as a people, even our individual selves, you can take it down and, and you can look at your own self. Do you truly have the fear of the Lord? 
Because God is the only one that holds our salvation in his hands. We are at the mercy of God. He holds our eternity. God holds our eternity. And where our eternity is going to be is in his hands. We are either going to be with him or we're not. There's no other choice. There's no other options. There's no other island out there in the middle of the sea of paradise where God's going to send people that aren't really on fire for him or really cold. There's no place. As a matter of fact, when he talked to the church of Laodicea, he said the lukewarm people, he's going to spew them out of their mouths. It's better that we either hot or cold than lukewarm. And I don't want to be cold. I don't like the cold. <laughs> I like a nice hot temperature. Amen? So we need to examine ourselves. If there's darkness in me, Lord, I don't want it. I want that darkness gone. Remove from me the darkness from my own souls that might not even, that I don't even know might not even be there. That could be a generational curse passed down from family to family to family. It could be a familiar spirit that gets passed down from family to family to family. And they could be thousands of year old demons on our families. You ever ask yourself, why did I do that? Why do I do things like that? And you know you shouldn't be doing anything like that or thinking those thoughts, but they're there. Maybe that's a familiar spirit that needs to be broken off of your life. Maybe there's a generational curse that's been spoken on your life, over your family. You know, each one of us here could be, can be, can, we can break that. You can break that today. We can break that generational curse. We can break that familiar spirit off of you today by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the light that Jesus brings into your life by letting the light in. Only way to get rid of it is through the light of Jesus. Jesus knows everything. Think about that. The Father, God, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they know everything about you. Know everything. You can't hide a thing from them. You can't hide any of your sins. You can't hide anything from him. Because he knows everything. He knows the heart. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I want you into my heart. I want this darkness out. I don't want to have fear. Fear has to flee, amen? Worry has to flee. My wife and I talked about that this morning. The burden of the Lord is light. His yoke is light. His burden is easy. It's the devil that puts worry and fear and burdens upon you that are unbearable. 
where it's never meant for us to carry those burdens. We just have to give them to Jesus. Give them to God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. When's the last time we said, God, I'm going to trust you? When's the last time you said, God, I'm going to trust you? I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen, but God, I'm going to trust you. No matter what happens, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in the worry and under that burden. Because that burden is not ours to carry. Fear has to flee. Worries have to flee. Stress has to flee. Spiritual bondage has to flee. Generational curses have to flee. All bondage of witchcraft has to flee. Any ill-spoken word or curse over your family has to flee. Because when the light is shine upon you, the darkness has to go. Are you tracking me? <laughs> when the light shines on your life, and in your body, and in your spirit, and in the Holy Spirit, the darkness has to flee. Everything has to flee. Sickness, illness, disease, viruses has to flee. Because the light is shown. It has to go. You know, this morning I was thinking about this. When God created the world, the earth, and we can turn there, Joe, to Genesis chapter 1. What did he say? Genesis chapter 1. Let's see here. Chap chapter 1, verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from darkness. So my thoughts were this morning when I read this scripture. When God said, let there be light. The whole earth, all the way around it, was full of light. There was no darkness. Can you imagine that? Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. That the whole earth, would you look at it now and you think, well, that's impossible. Because of the side that's facing the sun only gets the light, but the back side gets the darkness. No, that wasn't even created yet. God said, let there be light. And the whole earth was full of his light. Do you know that in the kingdom of God there is no need for the sun? No need for the sun in the kingdom of God. Because God's glory, his light shines throughout the whole kingdom. And in that kingdom there is no darkness. 
So I was thinking about that scripture this morning. And I thought, how awesome would that have been to see God hovering. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. It was empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Over the surface. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. Then light shone. Then God said, I saw that the light was good. And then he said, he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day. And he called darkness night. And there was an evening and there was a morning. That was the first day. That was God's first day. Pretty amazing. You know, today, today, we can say, God, let your light shine in my heart. Let your light shine in this dark world once again. Let your light come. We need your light in our lives. We need your light in our world. We need your light in our nation. We need your light in our family. We need your light in our children's lives. We need your light in our grandchildren's lives. We need your light in our schools. We need your light in our government. We need you, Lord. Two weeks ago, I preached on we need God. We need God. We need God. We need God's light. We need the Holy Spirit to shine forth on our hearts. To get rid of all the dross. To get rid of all the darkness that's in us. We don't want to be separate from God. None of us. None of us need to be, want to be separated from God. It's not a good place to be. Living in darkness is not a good place to live. When God's come to set you free and to give you life and life more abundantly, His will is for all of us to prosper and for all of us to be in good health. That's God's will for our lives. For all of us to prosper and for all of us to be in good health. And prosper is prosper in every part of your life. Prosper in your family, in your job, in, in your um, relationships, in your health. Prosper in the kingdom of God, prospering in His Word. Word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to give the opportunity for all of us to come down and to get prayer. Come on down. We're going to line them up. I'm going to pray for all of you. Come on down because we need the light of God in our lives. And we need healing in our bodies. Ephraim needs to be healed of this in Jesus' name. We need God's light in our lives and we need the darkness to go. Today is the day to get set free. Amen. So let's line up. Right here in front of this new pulpit. Amen.
altar, pulpit, whatever you want to call it. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to anoint you with oil. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right there. Right in front. Right to left. Bring them all down. That's fine. Bye, girls. Bye, guys. Here, can I pray for them real quick? Two seconds. 